and welcome to another episode of Untraditionally Traditional, a podcast with me, Brittany Duncan, a millennial homemaker. Join me each week as I share all the things I've learned that make keeping your home, garden, and life running smoothly all while working. If you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcasting app so you get the episodes downloaded straight to you every Monday. Now, on to today's episode. To another episode of Untraditionally Traditional, a millennial homemaker podcast. Y'all, I'll tell you what, I'm over here putting on sunscreen like war paint and throwing my hair in a messy bun preparing for battle with the garden in the best way possible. Am I the only one that feels like they've been counting down until spring gardening season since the very first snowfall? Maybe it was because we closed on our home in June and decided to put the garden off last summer to focus our energy on other projects for the house, but I am chomping at the bit. And guess what? It's here. Gardening game time is here. So let's dive into it. In case you're starting your garden from scratch, like we did with this house, I'm going to talk a little bit about this process. If you were fortunate enough to purchase a home that had a pre-established garden or raised beds, well done. But maybe you want to expand upon those gardens. After all, this hobby is addicting. I often find myself looking at a patch of grass and saying to myself, hmm, that could be a garden space. Hmm, I could throw a couple of pots over here. Uh, asking for a friend, but how many hanging baskets is too many hanging baskets? It's addicting, but there are far worse things to be addicted to. Am I right? For our garden, we've been trying to have our cake and eat it too when it comes to quality and price. Starting a garden from scratch will have a higher cost upfront than resurrecting a garden space you already have. If you're doing raised beds, there are a million ways to do it. Some are more expensive than others, and there are definitely some that will last a lot longer than others. I've heard some horror stories from fellow gardeners that had wooden garden boxes made, and now two years down the road, they're having to completely empty all the soil from the boxes to reinforce them because they were poorly made. Jens and I have really tried to adopt the practice of doing it once and doing it well with our house. Jens and I decided to go the raised bed route along our back fence. We have a two and a half foot area uh, deep that was partially concrete, partially soil, and wasn't usable for much, and frankly, it was an eyesore. So last summer, we edged the area to make it even and uh, laid down weed cloth, and on top of the weed cloth, we added five garden beds, which will eventually be surrounded by gravel. If you're like us and you have a smaller property, you probably want to use the most of the space that you have for your garden. Finding a space that otherwise wouldn't be used is what I recommend so that you're not giving up precious lawn space. Unless having lawn space isn't important for you, then by all means, build out a big, beautiful garden right over your lawn. We consulted Sage, their golden retriever, and she gave us permission for the garden as long as it didn't encroach upon her beloved grass. Walking around Boise, I have seen some amazing gardens, and a lot of homes use their front lawns to hold their garden space, which is a great idea. How often do we use the grass on our front lawn? My guess is not all that often, which means it has the potential to host a garden that is both aesthetically pleasing and functional. Since we had the area by the fence and needed to do something with it anyway, that's the route that we went. But walk around your property and visualize different options. Just be sure to note where the sun falls. If you're looking in the fall, winter, or early spring, note that bare trees will be full with leaves and provide more shade than currently exists. You want to factor in how much sunlight your plants will require and plan accordingly. 
our space has some boxes that will be provided more shade and others that will be in direct sunlight the majority of the day, which is because we have a tree in our backyard that will provide shade on two out of the five boxes once it's summertime and it gets all its leaves back. If you are in the Boise area and looking for someone to make a garden plan for you that's set up for success, I cannot say enough about Front Yard Fresh, which is a company started by Katie Batazzo. I was able to take a class with Katie through Edwards Greenhouse, and she is a wealth of knowledge. I uh, recommend checking out her website, which is www.yesfrontyardfresh. I'll put it in the show notes for you, and uh, follow her on Instagram under Front Yard Fresh. She shares all kind of awesome resources and tips on her platforms and I've learned a ton from her just in the couple of months since I first met her. Once you've got your location picked out, decide on your style, raised or in-ground. We went with raised. I had a container type garden in Charleston and a larger raised bed that we put in at our rental in Georgia and I've always loved this style. For me, raised beds are easier to organize. There's a great book that we used when we started our garden in Georgia called Square Foot Gardening by Mel Bartholomew. They have several different versions of the book. The one we have is the third edition, which I'll link in the show notes. But the concept is that you make a grid over your garden and plant in one foot by one foot sections. And the book lays out exactly how many types of each plant you can grow in a one foot square block. So for example, you could have one kale plant in one block, 16 carrots in another, or four Swiss chard plants in another. And it's got a whole list in the book, you know, most plants and how many you can have. I feel as gardeners, and especially if you're new into gardening, we're tempted to overplant a space because we want a big, large produce. And uh, it's actually the opposite effect. You know, we overplant the garden and they don't get the nutrients or light that they need and they strangle each other out. So Uh, This method really sets you up for success in terms of planting the right amount in the space that you have. For our garden, we have a veggie garden type system. And I say type because the veggie garden beds were too expensive for our budget. I love the look of them, but I decided to try a less expensive alternative first, which I've ordered through Amazon. Similar shape, galvanized metal. Uh, They're similar to a stock tank, but bottomless. I'll link the ones that we ordered in the show notes. They do have a ton of screws and take a while to to set up, but the price was right. I ordered 10 of them, and then I used the middle sections from five to create five longer beds. And by doing this, you'll end up with five rounds as well, which you could use somewhere else or in your same garden plan. The total cost for these beds was $529 versus the Veggie Garden beds, the least expensive one that they offer is $145 and they go up from there. So to get in these five larger beds, uh, this was definitely a, a more cost effective option. A few weeks ago, we filled the beds, which I'll be honest, was less expensive than I thought it would be. I took a class through our Boise Community Ed program with Gretchen Anderson, who is a master gardener and another wealth of knowledge, and she helped me decide on how to fill the beds. Often you'll see videos that tell you to fill the bottom uh, with sticks and leaves, but we didn't have any sticks. Problems with city living, I suppose. Uh, But Gretchen recommended that we fill the bottom um, with hay, which was a brilliant suggestion. Johnson and I picked up a barrel of hay from DMB for $15 and used about half of it to fill five of our beds up to about one-third. 
And then on top of that, I added compost for the next layer. And then the top layer is a mix of topsoil and peat moss, which is something that my mom recommended I use to help with water retention. So you mix it into the topsoil the peat moss and uh, it will help with water retention. Our summers here in Boise can be very dry and hot so hopefully this will help to fill all of our beds and purchase the hay, the compost, the topsoil and the peat moss. The total came out to $105 which we have you know some pretty big beds so I was pleasantly surprised at that price. Now that we've got our garden bed filled we need to run drip lines to the bed which we're going to try and do ourselves. I'll be sure to share how that process goes over on Instagram at untraditionally traditional pod. I found a really great YouTube video, which I'll drop in the show notes by Garden Answer. We got a quote for someone to come and install the system, and it was $2,200, which wasn't in our garden budget. So we're going to see if we can do it ourselves. This tutorial seems really well explained, and she links all of the materials needed in the video notes, so you can easily order directly from Home Depot. We got all the supplies we needed, and the total came to $211, which means if this works out, we'll be saving about $2,000. Hmm, that's a lot of starter plants, y'all. Just kidding, honey. Don't worry if you're listening. With our whole garden startup, I have been working backwards, which is one of my uh, favorite podcasts and sources of inspiration from Homemaker Chic, uh, that they did a whole season on this process of working backwards. I wrote down everything that I wanted to have accomplished by summer and broke it down by what needed to happen in order to get there. So much of gardening is prep and planning at least my garden style includes prep and planning. I've tried the throw seeds down, hope they take hold method. I've skipped thinning seeds and hoped that it would work out only to be met with disappointment. So I really want this garden to be thought out and cared for differently. Part of working backwards has been uh, getting my seeds organized. This year I'm going to be doing a combination of seeds and starter plants. From seed, I will be growing tomatillos, zinnias, Mexican sunflowers, okra, carrots, patty pan squash, snap, peas, rainbow chard, runner beans, nasturtiums, beets, and radishes. Most of these are start direct, which means that I will plant the seeds directly into the boxes after or shortly before the last frost date, depending on the seeds. Our last frost date here in Boise for my zip code is May 10th. Check out the National Weather Service or Old Farmers uh, Almanac website to determine your frost date by zip code. Really helpful for your planning. While I'm waiting for that last frost date to arrive, I've been prepping my seeds, which I'm going to share something that is really exciting. It, it may be old news to some of you, but I just learned about it, and it's a game changer. Did you know that you can make your own seed tape? You can, and it is so stinking simple. All you need is some unbleached flour, water, toilet paper, and your seeds. I've got a reel coming out on Instagram um, that shows a tutorial of how I did it, but essentially you get a length of toilet paper to fit your bed or the length of seeds you want to grow. Fold it up and cut it in half lengthwise because you really only need half of uh, the width of a square of toilet paper. Unroll the length and line it um, up with a measuring tape so you can space out your seeds. Mix your flour and water together until it's like a thick paste. Grab a paintbrush or your finger and place dots of the mixture 
space to the spacing directed on the seed packet and then uh, put your seeds down on each of those dots. Fold the toilet paper bottom to top and gently press to seal. Roll it up, add a label, store it in the fridge until it's planting time. If you've ever planted carrots and dealt with those microscopic seeds and then had to thin the plants later on, you understand how amazing this is. Evenly spaced seeds are going to give you evenly spaced seedlings that don't require thinning. And to plant, all you have to do is dig a small trench in your garden bed to the depth recommended on the packet, lay down your seed tape, cover, and gently water. Boom. I am doing this with my smaller seeds, larger seeds like sunflowers, beans, peas. I'm going to do by hand, but I was grinning ear to ear when doing my rainbow carrots. This week, I'm going to be starting my tomatillo, zinnia, Mexican sunflower, and okra seeds indoors. I'll share about that on Instagram. Uh, but let me know what you're doing this year. Are you mainly planting from seed? Are you using starter plants or a combination like I am? I love learning how other gardeners run their garden. And I'd also love to hear from you over on Instagram if you have any tips on do-it-yourself trellis systems that are cost-effective. Um, I want that to last and be aesthetically pleasing. I know I'm asking for a lot here, but I believe that there is a way out there. I've been thinking about the cattle panel method or uh, concrete remesh. Let me know if you've tried that or if you have an alternative that you love. Thanks for tuning in. Next week, we'll be talking about Beyond the Laundry, specifically my cleaning routine, which involves a little bit of cleaning every day instead of the clean once for the week method. Until then, happy seed starting, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Untraditionally Traditional. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with those special people who would love it too and write a review. For more tips and photos of my home and garden, follow Untraditionally Traditional Pod on Instagram. Until next week, let's continue to make our homes places of joy and service to ourselves and those we share them with.